It's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week, I'm part of a great program called The Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow The Ringer MMA Show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus. Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem. Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a special Monday into Tuesday edition of New York, New York, as we recap what was an absolute dud of a game seven for the New York Rangers. The Rangers season comes to a close in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. An absolute 4 nothing no-show, with the exception of their outstanding goaltender, Igor Shesterkin. The young, inexperienced New Jersey Devils go and stick it to the Rangers every which way. And give the Devils credit. They made the goaltender change. It sparked their team. They clearly got jump-started by the idea of winning Game 3 in overtime. But so much for the experience factor being the difference for the New York Rangers in a winner-take-all game seven. Guess experience didn't matter too much when Adam Fox basically is giving you a a, a free goal to get the proceedings starting for the New Jersey Devils. That is as bad as it gets from Adam Fox, who's one of the best defensemen in the league. Gave the Devils a goal. About to go on the power play. It's going from a four-on-four to a range of power play, and and you're careless with the puck. But the Fox play is not the only reason the Rangers lost this game. They got shut out. They got shut out for the second time in this series, and so much for the star power of the New York Rangers coming through and coming through in a big way. Where was Temi Panarin in this series? Where was he? Honest question. Listen, I'm not going to pretend to be Mr. Hockey, Ranger fans, but please help me out on this. 
Where was Panarin in this series? Patrick Kane, who was supposed to be this, you know, final piece for the New York Rangers. Patrick Kane, basically get the guy a wheelchair for this series. Put him on a freaking milk cart. He was invisible. Couldn't find a guy. The scoring chances were few and far between after game number two. And they clearly did not generate any momentum from what they were able to do in game six. Schmidt was great. The Devils took advantage of their chances. I don't want to hear anybody get on Shesterkin tonight. Shesterkin was unbelievable. The Devils could have had seven goals as far as I'm concerned. The Rangers deserve to lose. Let's call it like it is. This was not a fluke. This is not how in the world did this happen. The Rangers were thoroughly outplayed. And it's going to be a long offseason for them because they thought they were all in this year. And what's going to make it hurt that much more from a Rangers perspective is that the Eastern Conference really set up nicely for them. Boston, with all those points, with that, that great year they had, they're out in the first round of the Florida Panthers. Toronto gets by Tampa Bay, who is always a thorn in the Rangers' side. You don't got to deal with Tampa Bay this year. Carolina gets by the Islanders. Carolina's clearly not at full strength going into the second round. So the road to the Stanley Cup final, is it ever going to get more favorable from a Rangers perspective? It's hard to imagine that it will get more favorable. This was set up perfect for them. And instead now, it's the Devils, the team that was the joke of the league two years ago, that's slowly but surely been building up, building up. They get Jack Hughes. The Rangers get Capo Caco, and they get Lafreniere. And you, you see the difference in those three players. I, I, I don't think you're taking Caco or Lafreniere over Jack Hughes any day of the week. Devils are set up for a while now. They're going to be a pain in the ass. And now they're playing with house money the rest of the way. But this is a bitter pill to swallow for the New York Rangers. Getting shut out in a Game 7. Getting whooped by your cross-river rival in a Game 7. Tough way for the season to come to a close. Now, before we get to your calls, because I know this is going to come up, and I just lost my mind on SOI a few minutes ago. So I'm, like, trying to regather my thoughts, and I'm trying to, like, take a moment, pause, recalibrate a little bit. The New York Yankees have been unwatchable now for a week and a half. You take John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge out of the lineup, and now that Aaron Judge is on the injured list, they are an unwatchable product offensively. They're a mess. They got a zillion problems. They are a week or two away from the American League East being over, to quote my buddy Sal Akata. It, it, it's that close to being over because you're talking about the Yankees playing poorly over the next two weeks, being dead and buried behind Tampa Bay, who doesn't lose baseball games. Anyway. That's all a disclaimer for what you saw Monday night. All right, I'm watching the game. I got the three TVs at SOI going. I have the Ranger Devil game going, priority number one. I have the Yankee game going. I have the Sixer Celtic game. What a performance by James Harden. But I'm like, wow, the Yankees are actually going to give me an easy night, a stress-free night, due to the brilliance of Domingo Herman. Herman is pitching his freaking ass off. He's taken a shutout into the ninth inning. He has taken a one-hitter into the ninth inning. Maybe I'm missing something here. 
Mariano Rivera ain't that Yankee bullpen. Last year's version of Edwin Diaz is not that Yankee bullpen. You got a 2-0 lead. He gives up a bloop up the middle single. And this idiot manager can't wait to get his ass out of the game. You can see it. We're watching. I'm like, don't be stupid enough to get Domingo Herman out of this game. Have a freaking feel for the game. Have a clue. Can't wait to get Clay Holmes in, who has not been great this year. And I know Holmes had the error. Please, don't make excuses for the manager. He can't be giving teams games with the state and the condition of the team. I get it. This is not all about Aaron Boone. Brian Cashman put together a flawed roster. This season so far, a month in, is a lot more on Cashman than it is the Yankee manager. Let me, let me make sure that is on the table. The bottom of the order, not getting a left fielder, basically telling you, hey, the ownership, we're not done after Carlos were done. Well, you were done. You did nothing. And now you're seeing the ripple effects of it. This game tonight, though, is entirely and squarely on the manager. How do you take Domingo Herman out of that game? You deserve to lose that game by making that boneheaded a managerial decision. And listen, Aaron Boone's not a good manager. Don't let any of these talking head media baseball types that kiss his ass tell you otherwise. He's not good in game. He may be good with the players. He may be a charming, likable guy. I don't know him well. In game, he stinks. That has not changed. From 2018, we are now in 2023. He is bad in game. But decisions like this, how, how is that possible? Don't sit there and lecture me on hard hit rate. Take it and shove it up your rear end with that nonsense. Watch the freaking game. Here's all you need to know. Here's all you need to know. Would any Yankee fan tonight, any Yankee fan tonight, if Domingo Herman gave up a two-run homer and ended up tying the game, I think Rosario was up next, to Ahmed Rosario, are they killing Aaron Boone? I don't think so. I know I'm not. It's not a conversation. I'm going to say, you know what? He stuck with his guy. It didn't work. I'll live with that. I'll live with that. Beats the alternative of what I saw tonight. And the Yankees going to lose again. And I'm not being dramatic by saying this. Look at their next two weeks. They got a Tampa Bay this coming weekend. They have a four-game series with Tampa Thursday through Sunday next week. Judge playing in those games? We know Stan's not playing in those games. We know Rodon is not coming back. We know Severino's not going to be back. Maybe Bader's back. What's the best-case scenario for the Yankees in those games? Three and four? I think best-case scenario in those seven games for the Yankees, with the way they are constituted right now, is three and four. That means you're at least losing a game. If it's worse than that, you're going to be talking about the New York Yankees being 11, 12, 13 games out of first place in the middle of May. They got serious, serious problems. And the manager's not the biggest right now, but he's a problem. And tonight is yet another example of why in-game, he will continue to drive me insane. Now, Mets played a pretty big 
doubleheader on Monday. And this entire weekend for the Mets felt so disjointed. There was no flow and there was no feel to this Braves series because they played Friday. The game was shortened. Also hits the home run against Peterson. They don't play Saturday, Sunday because the weather is so crummy in New York. And then they play this doubleheader. And all things considered, Mets did a decent job splitting this doubleheader today. Yes, the Braves are a better team right now. Yes, the Braves have more answers than the New York Mets. But I think the most encouraging aspect of what I saw from the Mets, Monday specifically, is the emergence of the two youngsters at the bottom of the order. And the fact that you saw some legitimate fight from this lineup in the first game when they get pounded and they get after Spencer Strider, who's one of the best pitchers in the National League, and they put together a bunch of really, really good at-bats to get themselves back into that ballgame. I love what I'm seeing from Beatty. Beatty is so much fun to watch. I love the swing. I told you guys a month ago I love the swing. He should have been on the roster opening day. Escobar is not an everyday player. The Mets now finally have it right with Beatty. They're playing him every day. They're letting him cook. Lefties, righties, does not matter. And you know what he's doing? He's lengthening out the bottom of the order. Can Francisco Alvarez do the same thing? Well, guess what? In game two of the doubleheader, he had the biggest hit of the game. Double down the left field line. You survived the fact that McGill gives up that bases clearing double when Murphy slides in safely and you're saying, holy smokes, the Mets are going to lose both of these games to the Braves on Monday. They're going to go and get swept in this series. Didn't happen. Alvarez had the biggest hit of the weekend, without a doubt. And then the Met bullpen does a fantastic job with their A guys. And how good has David Robertson been? Listen, I love David Robertson from his time with the New York Yankees. I know he wasn't great for the Phillies last year. He is a pro. He has thrived in every environment. He can handle a ninth inning. He goes two innings today for Buck Walter. He's been one of the best relievers in the National League a month into the season. Will that continue? We know there's variance with relievers, but that's super cool to see with Robertson. So the Mets got to get right here. They're getting Verlander back this week. They're getting Scherzer back this week. The Tigers stink. They should absolutely pound them. Then they return home. We'll see what the Mets look like now with the two youngsters in the lineup and now that they got their two big pitchers going. I don't know if they're as good as the Atlanta Braves. Right now, I'd say probably not. But signs of life from the Mets, especially at that bottom of the order with the two youngsters. Now, little good news, bad news situation. We did a Twitter Spaces. Did an hour. You guys were great. You were lively. You were spirited. We were all over the map. Numb nuts over here forgot to hit the record button. That's right. Numb nuts forgot to hit the record button. So all those great conversations, they are not being churned into a podcast. But there is good news. You guys are so dedicated on the voicemail line. Steph tells me after this bad news happens and we're about to, you know, uh, have our tail between our legs saying, well, what in the God's name are we going to do? We can't recreate these conversations. You guys are so dedicated. I wasn't planning on taking voicemails. I'm going to take some voicemails. Not a good night for the Rangers. Not a good night for the Yankees. Not a good night for me. Hopefully the vibes don't continue Tuesday for the New York Knickerbockers. But we'll do some voicemails. That's coming up next. All right, Steph. Voicemails. Let's hear them. 917-382-1151. And just goes to show New York, New York. Even if we're doing a Twitter spaces, never know what could happen. Never know what can happen. So, job well done, producer extraordinaire. Let's hear him. 
What's up, JJ? This is Jack. I'm calling from Hanoi in Vietnam. That's right. You've got callers from all over the world. So uh, don't mind the motorbikes going by me. But uh, just calling about game one, uh, Nick Heat. Uh, what can I say? Uh, the Heat are really well-coached team. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a superstar. And, you know, the Knicks are going to have to figure it out. I think um, we're going to have to see who can respond. I trust that Jalen Brunson will. I think that's the best, one of the best things about having him on the team is he's going to bounce back with a better game for game two. But for as far as everyone else, you know, you can't be positive or you can't be sure that they're going to respond the way you need them to. So yeah, just looking forward to what game two brings, uh, from our team and, uh, let's just hope for the best. The Knicks were taken out of their element in game one. They were frustrated by the officials. They were frustrated by the physical contact. That means Lowry and what he provided. That means Vincent and what he provided. And the Heat are a savvy team. Those football passes, the basketball IQ is high. They're not intimidated. They got a lot of guys who've played in a lot of big games. They're not going to be an easy out. They shot a gazillion threes. That's what they're going to do. It's Butler and the three machine. The Knicks offensively got out of their element because, yeah, they had some open looks. They were forcing the issue way too much from three. I mean, you had Obi Toppin shoot 11 threes in the game. You don't want Obi Toppin shoot 11 threes. And it felt like the Knicks were settling for that three-point shot. Not the M.O. Not the move. And I hope the return of Julius Randle, if he plays in game two, will change things from a spacing standpoint. Bam's got to focus on Julius. Therefore, you have some more open looks. Therefore, you have better opportunities. I hope, indeed, that's the case. It's one game I'm not going to get nuts. I am not going to get nuts. I expected this to be a lengthy series. Knicks got to win game two. Knicks going to lose game two. Well, then we're talking about a much different scenario. All right, who's next? frustration. Monday night was the worst loss of the year. We know the Yankees are struggling to score. Everything you said about the roster construction is fair. They had no point in left field. They did not add to the roster when they told you, hey, we're not done after we're done. They were done. Now you look and I understand. Bader's not playing. Stanton's not playing. Judge is not playing. That's all well and good. They don't have capable bodies in the roster from five through nine in the lineup. 
They don't have guys who can play. They have, they don't even have quad A players. They got triple A guys basically filling up those spots or guys who have no business being in the big leagues. So their margin of error is so small. You can't have brain farts like the one Aaron Boone had tonight. That's inexcusable. Aaron Boone is not the reason the Yankees are 500 right now. He's not. He's not a good manager. Monday's a perfect example of why he's not a good manager. One of many. Roster construction has been a bigger problem, but it means you have no margin for error. That means when you have a starter throwing a two-hit complete game shutout, you let him pitch. Especially when he's under 90 pitches, and especially considering Clay Holmes right now is not the guy he was at the beginning of last year. Indefensible manager. Who's next? Hey, JJ. Michael from Manhattan here. First-time caller, long-time listener and fan. Calling after the Yankees, like five minutes after the Yankees disgracefully blew this game to the Guardians on Monday night. Thanks to Boone taking out her mom with one out in the ninth. Obviously, a terrible move in the moment. Didn't work out. Just a couple things on Boone and Cashman I want to kind of ask or say. First, the Boone question. Other than being just like a nice guy every day and a good company man, I get it. Can you tell me what he tangibly brings to the table? Like, I watch the Yanks every day, as you do. And I like Boone as a dude, and I'm a USC guy. But man, I cannot remember one single instance in which the post-game conversation centered around an in-game move he made to actually win a game. Like, has that ever happened? Have we ever won a single game because of Aaron Boone? And with Cashman, like, I know the resume. I know he's competent, intelligent, and in the upper echelon of baseball execs, I guess. But this season's team is a serious black mark for him, in my opinion. Like, he loves to get in front of mics and talk about injuries as an excuse. But it feels like the 10th year or whatever, a millionth year in a row, in which the, the Yankees have absolutely no depth, and the back half of their lineup is full of automatic outs. I know they have injuries, but that's part of team building, is you don't have to collapse just because a few guys get hurt. Prospects he doesn't trade at the deadline don't develop. Debbie Garcia, Simon Florial, we all know him. Unless they go to other teams, we know what Jorge Mateo is doing now in Baltimore. Volpe is an exception, uh, we think. And the Donaldson IKF, you know, trade is still killing them. It's weighing them down. The Hicks contract is brutal. Rodon, Montas, we all know about all that stuff. It's just, this team is just a culmination of like five years of bad moves by Cashman, including hiring Aaron Boone. I get that he's good at finding relievers and trading for Mike Hoffman and all that stuff. I don't know. I just feel like there's, I feel like it's underrated the, the, how bad the last five or six years of, of Yankees management, both in the dugout and in the front office have been. And I just feel like I, I'm at a breaking point. This is a joke. If Hal Steinbrenner is actually serious about winning, I'm going to go off from these guys. I know we won't do it, but I feel like it's time, and I think a lot of New Yorkers will agree with me. Anyway, big fan, JJ. Thanks for listening. Go New York, go. Well, I appreciate the passion, Michael, and I appreciate the kind words. And a missive is something you would have after a loss on Monday night from the old man. You ain't getting a missive from Hal Steinbrenner. It's not his way. But everything you articulated about the questionable, and at times, inept management. Not just from Aaron Boone. Roster management. That's the biggest reason and issue the Yankees are in the position that they're in right now. They have a flawed roster. They have a poorly put together roster. 
There's no getting around it. These are conversations we would have had and did have in February, March. They're coming to fruition now a month into the year. Here's the dirty little secret. The division is two weeks away from potentially being over and done with by mid-May because the Yankees have seven games with Tampa with no Judge, with no Stanton, with no Rodone, with no Severino, with a shaky closer. Five through nine in the lineup is a disgrace. And you have the Red Hot Rays who already have a monster lead in the loss column. Seven times. Can the Yankees win three of those games against Tampa? Right now, I'd put my money on no. This can get worse before it gets better. Do not be surprised if come Memorial Day, we're talking about the Yankees just trying to get into the playoffs. Trying to go down the road that the Phillies did a year ago. And the idea that we could be talking about the division being over for the New York Yankees in May is a disgrace. I don't care how hot Tampa Bay may be, that's a disgrace. This was ugly. Tonight doesn't begin to describe it. From Rangers to Yankees to Boone to me forgetting the Twitter spaces, embarrassing. Just embarrassing. I mean, listen, I didn't have the worst performance of the night. The Rangers did. And Aaron Boone is a 1A. I'm not putting myself in that group. I don't deserve it. Not today. I don't deserve it. Let's take one more, Stefan. JJ, Phil from Bedford. I just watched the Rangers season go up in flames. I have so many freaking thoughts. I'm going to try to just do them in rapid fashion. One, you only go as far as your, as your stars take you. Panarin invisible. It's Banajet outside of game six. Not getting it done. Rangers went on their run last year when Zibanejad was clicking. Two, I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Fox was concussed. It reminded me of Tua in that game against the Packers where you're like, something's off here. Maybe he suffered a concussion at some point. Like, Fox is the most smooth player on the ice at all times. And this guy, like, couldn't complete a pass. And that turnover that led to the Devils' first goal, so uncharacteristic. Wouldn't be surprised if something was off there. Three, the Devils' whole fortune turned around by winning the lottery and getting Jack Hughes. And he's a freaking superstar who dominated the series. The Rangers, their lottery pick, their, when they when they won it, they got Lafreniere. This is year three, and he is so unimpactful. He had zero points in a seven-game series. That is a freaking joke. He's got to be the worst number one overall pick in at least the last 12 years in the NHL. And it was just, it was magnified in this series watching Hughes. Uh, four, I mean, you traded for Patrick Kane, and he was Patrick Kane in name only. This reminds me of when I was excited for the Mets when they got Robbie Alomar in 2002. Patrick Kane was slow, terrible turnovers, no compete on the board. He was a boss. Get him out of town. I, you, know, I, I, you know what? You got him. And, and you thought this would put the offense over the top, and they get shut out twice by a no-name goalie in five games he started. I mean, this was a disastrous loss. But the last thing I'll say is, let's give the Devils a little bit of credit here. They, they This wasn't like tough luck. They deserve to win. They kicked our ass up and down. And you know what? They won like, what, 18 games in a row earlier in the year? Maybe they're just really good. It doesn't excuse the Rangers' season going up in flames, but you got to give them credit. And, man, this one... It's a tough pill to swallow later. Appreciate it, Phil. Um, I'm glad you gave the Devils credit. They deserve credit. They were down 0-2. They're the butt of all jokes. You got Ranger fans mocking them left and right. Ranger fans talking sweep. They're going to win two games in Madison Square Garden. And then for Schmidt, we didn't know much about. Has a rough game six. The Devils have a rough game six. There's a lot of chatter and conversation of, well, what are the Devils going to do in net for game seven? 
When they go back to Schmidt, he's brilliant. And everything you articulated is fair. The Devils whooped the Rangers in four of these five final games. Whooped them. No fluke. No puck luck. They were the better team. And the big players for the Rangers were invisible. Panarin was invisible. Kane, find him on a freaking milk carton. And you can put him on the list with the Pavel Burres and the Eric Lindroses. And you know the names. I'm not going to go and bore you Ranger fans of star high-priced players. Now, this is different with Kane. It's midseason. But you bring them in, and they'll show what they used to be. Kane is one of, if not the greatest American player ever. He is no longer that guy. But I do think for a Ranger franchise that had high hopes and that was all in on this particular year, to lose in the first round to an up-and-coming Devil team, you would think it's going to lead to change. I'd be surprised if there is not some sort of seismic move that happens. Like that is in the front office. Will it be the head coach? Will it be a monster trade maybe that shakes it up? Rangers is going to do something here. They have to. Because this was supposed to be their year. And the Eastern Conference could not have set up any better for the Rangers. No Bruins. No Lightning. Beat up Carolina. And you can't take advantage. Because you lose to a team that outplayed you, outworked you, outskilled you every which way. Tough to swallow if you're a Ranger fan. It's going to be a long couple of days. Now, hopefully our Tuesday is going to be much better than on Monday. We will have a little FanDuel fun. I'm going to have an SGP for game two of the Knicks and the Miami Heat. We'll see the status on Jalen Brunson. He's going to play. Spoiler alert. We'll see the status on Julius Randle and Jimmy Butler. I think that's far more intriguing. Game Knicks have to have. Knicks are not winning this series if they lose the first two games at home. I don't see a path for it. That's number one. Number two. Want to see how Tom Thibodeau and the New York Knickerbockers adjust from an offensive standpoint. Does that mean Quentin Grimes in the starting lineup? Does it mean the return of a guy like Randall changes things from an offensive standpoint? I would hope so. I would hope so. He's going to be spunky. This has six, seven-game series written all over it. There's going to be a lot of ebbs and flows, but this is a game the Knicks have to have. Six-and-a-half-point favorites. Wonder if Vegas is factoring the idea that maybe Jimmy Butler is not going to play. Maybe there's something to that. We better not be talking about the Knicks being down 0-2 in this series. This is a game they have to have tomorrow night. How about my Nuggets, by the way? Listen, they're a deeper, better team than the Phoenix Suns. That's just all there is to it. They got more ways to beat you. They got more ways to win. I love that Denver team. Can't get enough of that Denver team. Can't believe they were underdogs in that series. And quite the performance from Harden. I'll tell you, the Celtic fan hates the head coach. And I can't I can't blame them. They watch their team more closely than I do. But Simmons already told me he don't want to come to any games. That's how disgusted he is. And after Harden hit that three, the play they had designed afterwards, what the hell was that? I mean, my God. Who went for the Sixers without Embiid to go and win game one on the road? So, Nuggets up 2-0. Sixers up 1-0. Hopefully, we're talking about the Knicks and the Heat being even at one apiece come tomorrow night. I promise you I won't forget to record tomorrow's Twitter spaces. What an embarrassment. What a disgrace. Kind of like the Rangers and Aaron Boone tonight. You know he's not. The all-time great Stefan. Fabulous job piecing this all together. We're back tomorrow. FanDuel, same game parlay on the Twitter account. JJ out.
Tuesday is going to be better than Monday. I promise you, New York. It's going to be better. Be good, everybody.